how what? are you tearing through it so fast? <laughs> We've been doing at least an episode a night, basically. You're past that's, me! That's well into season two, Joseph. <laughs> Joseph Tarowski, I can't believe you just did that. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Protagonist. I'm Todd Mack here with Joe Dorowski, and each week we look at a great character and a great story. Today we're talking about Thanos. Did we ever decide how we're pronouncing this? (laughs) Thanos. Thanos, okay. Today we're talking about Thanos in the Marvel miniseries The Infinity Gauntlet. The series was written by Jim Starlin and penciled by George Perez and Ron Lim in 1991. So, Todd, how did you you come to be familiar with The Infinity Gauntlet? Um, well, uh... I think I was listening to an episode of Giant Size with Moises Chuyan. They talk about comics, and it's like comics for people who don't know about comics and sort of how to get into comics. And it was when they did their big, uh, right after Marvel came out with their big mega announcement of all the films through 2018-19, they had recommended this as one of the storylines to read. So I loaded it up in my library in uh, Marvel Unlimited. And then, and then you actually recommended that we read it. And so I actually, um, uh, I judge, I, I will admit that I judged the book by its cover and the cover of this didn't really strike me as like, oh my gosh, I need to read that right away. So I was reading some other stuff, but then when you, uh, when you suggested that we do a, an episode on this, I thought I'm going to give it a shot. So I did. And here I am. Okay. I, uh, I, I was collecting comics when this came out. In 1991, I would have been nine years old, and so I was—I had not been collecting comics for very long. And I remember this storyline happening, and I think I read some of the issues at a friend's house. I did not get it to myself because this was a miniseries that cost more than twice as much as the normal comic book. I think the cover price was two fifty, and at the time, comic books were usually one dollar. And when you're a young collector, you try and stretch your dollars as far as they will go. So I didn't actually buy any of the issues. But I remember, uh, like in the Marvel ads, seeing this promoted and, again, reading an issue or two at a friend's house, and he was getting it. But I don't think I actually read the entire thing until sometime in college. Then I reread it this last week or so in preparation for this podcast. I've got got a question for Todd, actually. Yeah, go for it. When you said you judged it by the cover, you're talking about just the first cover of, of... the first issue. Yep. It's got... The, the, uh, the iconic one. It's got uh, Thanos here, and he's got Death and Mephisto behind him. He's got Silver Surfer, and he's holding his gauntlet up, his kind of shiny uh, glove with these gems it, in let's, it. Let's call it's it by its really, name, Todd. It is the Infinity Gauntlet. It is the Infinity and Gauntlet. And those gems have names, too. Yes, they're called and they Infinity Stones. they are really Stone. shiny. <laughs> and they are very shiny, and, they, and they've got these uh, lines kind of... No, uh, no, Todd, I don't mean that they're... That they're Infinity Stones. I mean that they are space, mind, soul, reality, time, and power. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, no, Joseph. I'm sorry. Can, carry, can on, you put, carry on now. <laughs> can you put the color with the right gem? Uh, I, I can't off the top of my head. I really? Know. I'm surprised. Have you seen the uh, the long ad lib scene that? Oh, suddenly my name is blanking on uh, or my mind Patton is blanking Oswald. on his name. Patton Oswalt did when he was on, a guest star on Parks and Rec. They asked him to, to ad-lib, and he just went on this 
long rant about how the Marvel Universe and the Star Wars Universe could converge now that Disney owns them both, and he was using the Infinity Gems <laughs> as the means to connect the two universes, but he named them all as he was doing this off-the-cuff riff about combining wow. Star Wars and Marvel. That's amazing. Uh, Geeks no, can I, do I amazing things. I have not seen it. So what? what uh, you said that this cover did not entice you to read it right, right away. Was it just... I, I guess, why not? Um, because I'm judgmental and racist against, um, against 1990s comics in general. <laughs> I don't know. I just, um, there's something to that era. <laughs> uh, I, 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 um, I think I, because I got into comics sort of later in life more recently, there's a style of art that, um, uh, stands out to me more or calls my attention more and it's this just this newer stuff and so when I see older stuff I'm like oh it has to be really really good if it's going to get my attention and I know that that's bad and probably totally lowbrow of me <laughs> but uh, but that's well, that's how it was so I was reading um, I'll tell you what I was reading with- is a bunch of X-Men stuff and it was really good and now I'm like I'm dying to get back to it it's a uh, Messiah Complex no yeah, I think I'm reading yes, Messiah Complex right probably. now. Probably. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the 90s are even within comic book fan circles has a very strong reputation for having been uh, overly cross-hatched and liney, <laughs> shadowy, and dark extreme. and Extreme! <laughs> yes, an extreme. Uh, everything you need shoulder it. pads and blades and bandoliers. Well, and I think... I, I think um... I don't know. Like, I'm still just having a really hard time wrapping my brain around how... Marvel is going to pull this off. And As for so, the cinematic universe? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I watched Guardians of the Galaxy again the other day after reading this, and I was like, man, that Thanos, it looks exactly like Thanos should look in the movie. I mean, he looks exactly like a cinematic version of Thanos, and so, I don't know, if they can pull off that, then maybe they'll pull off the whole thing. And they've done really well so far. I mean, there's no reason for me to doubt them, except that this story is absolutely bananas. <laughs> it is insane. I'm so excited to talk about it because every big, gigantic science fiction idea that you can imagine, it's it's in there and it's glorious. It's just uh, if you can imagine it, they they try to to wedge it into this. Yeah, and All some right, so- really absolutely uh, insane characters that I'm <laughs> I, I'm actually really interested in hearing your take on. Well, uh, do you want to give a quick synopsis of what we're we're going to be talking about with this story before we get into the real spoiler zone? I will. So, uh, so Infinity Gauntlet is the story of a guy named Thanos. He looks like a giant shriveled prune, and he is a titan, which means that he's basically uh, godlike uh, already. And I mean, he's an extremely powerful character in this universe. And he manages to get a hold of all of these infinity stones that fit it not nicely into a gauntlet, which is a glove. So he has a glove. He wears it on his left hand. And it has all these little jewels in it. Well, they're kind of big jewels, different colors. One represents time. One represents space. One represents power. One represents the mind or the soul. Both mind and soul. Mind and soul and... Reality. Reality. So uh, so once he has all the stones in his gauntlet, then he can control everything. And he basically uh, takes on the power of a god and with the snap of his fingers is able to pretty much do whatever he wants. He's invincible. But, and there's always a big but, he cannot uh, seem to win the affection of death, who is 
uh, alternates between the form of like the Grim Reaper, like a female skeleton sort of draped in black robes, and uh, and then this beautiful kind of female uh, not skeleton. And it is the literal personification of death. She is the literal personification of death, and he's trying to woo her uh, romantically, and she is not interested or impressed with his power, and so um, he's uh, sort of destroying the universe, and a bunch of superheroes get together to try to stop him. Um, And that's the story of Infinity Gauntlet. How How was that? really good if that sounds interesting to you you can read this on marvel digital comics unlimited or you can buy the trade paperback on amazon and we'll have a link to that in the in the show notes and we will go much more in depth from here on out with some more spoilers all right so todd i guess uh what (laughs) we we open up with this this uh well there's one page sequence of this kind of barren alien looking deserty planet and then you turn the page and there's this giant stone word god yep. thanos and mephisto looking at it and that just kind of establishes the stakes we're dealing with these are definitely godlike beings thanos seems to have literally etched this word <laughs> into the landscape uh and then he he destroys it uh shortly and begins building this uh what do you want to call it? A monument to death to try and begin wooing her. And it's, th- this is our first introduction to Thanos in, in this form with the infinity gauntlet. There'd been a mini series before of him kind of collecting all the gems, but now we're seeing him with all this power and you quickly realize that even with all this power, there's only one thing he wants and that is the love of death. Yeah. So a couple of things here. Um, first of all, Thanos just lives in outer space. Um, and so, like, if you've seen uh, the Thor films or uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, then you're familiar with these kind of, they look like giant asteroids and they're just kind of hanging out in outer space. And there are these really powerful characters that just sort of apparently sit around on giant asteroids in space. If I had all uh, the power that Thanos has, I would have added to the landscape. Yeah, um, and so that's that's one thing to know about Thanos is that this this whole story, except for the few things that happen on Earth, everything is happening in this barren kind of moon-like uh, spacey landscape, and um, and that monument that he creates to death is basically like its own little kind of floating space island. And then the other thing to know about Thanos is that his servant is the devil, so Mephisto is like uh, Satan and he well, is he's, he's Thanos's, one of the devils. Well, he's the devil and he is one of I mean he's Thanos's servant. So it's yes. just um you know says a, a little bit about who this guy is. Yeah, establishing the stakes. Though uh, as a servant Mephisto uh, again one of Marvel's versions of the devil. He he acts as you'd expect. His his whispering in Thanos's ear is not always for the good of Thanos. Yes. Which I actually really liked. I kind of like Mephisto as a character. Yeah, and we start to see some heralds of warning. The Silver Surfer, who is one of Marvel's grand cosmic characters, crashes into Doctor Strange's lair on Earth and says, you know, there's there's some bad things happening out in the universe. I think we call that bad juju. Exactly. Going on. And uh, we... I guess, the again, the main thing that we actually are seeing is, is Thanos... His his only desire is to please death, and um, 
yeah, at first, the ways he does it, he does this is by building the monument. He promises now that he's a god, he can give her all that is. He tries to impress her by showing her kind of this living, rotting corpse of his granddaughter, Nebula. <laughs> um, saying that this is a sculpture that he's giving to her as art of, of the balance between life and death and the, the terror and the beauty that exists in that moment. And he's forcing his, his granddaughter to exist in this, this horrendous state of being kind of zombie-like but, but conscious but unable to do anything. And this is all, again, a gift to death. Um, and this is how he's using his power here in the, at the beginning of the storyline. And yeah. we have... Oh, go, go on. No, you keep going. I was going to say, there's, great. there's this other character, uh, Adam Warlock, who has promised that he's going... You know, his whole purpose is to stop Thanos. And he's another of, you know, th- these kind of crazy godlike cosmic beings that populate Marvel Comics. He's been living inside of the Soul Gem, and in order to uh, to escape it, he he takes over some uh, recently deceased bodies on Earth for him and uh, two of his companions to get out uh, out of the Soul Gem and into our reality, so that he can uh, put into play his plans to stop Thanos. Okay. So we're we're seeing the. I was so confused at the beginning of this. <laughs> with uh, yeah, with that whole thing of uh, Warlock getting out and. These um, Pip, the little the troll, Pip the troll, Pip the troll, Pip the troll and I think Gamora's with them. Yes. Yeah, Gamora kind of appears at that first part and then is gone until the until the very, like, last very, panel. very, very end. I was so confused. This is um, uh, you got to really love comics to re- to really uh, just dive into this and enjoy every panel from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I have read a lot of comic books in my life and I have studied them as a fan and as an academic I've looked at them and I am there are characters in this that I have no idea who they are because <laughs> they they're having lots of characters and obscure characters and they're introducing new characters uh, in, into the series I recognize mo- almost all the characters but there are a few where I'm like I don't know who that is <laughs> yeah so that was uh, pretty much me the whole entire story <laughs> I've got a question for you both about the confusion. Because all throughout, there's a lot of first-person narration. Yes. And it's really unclear who is saying the word I. Uh, Yeah. Did you you get that sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I kept having to remind myself that it's Eros. Yes. Who is Thanos' brother. And does not not look like a giant shriveled prune. In, in the first issue, it's Thanos usually that's doing it. But yes, uh, I think it's in the second issue. Issue he brings his brother or half brother. I can't remember all the relations of these these characters. Eros to that monument, the floating island in space, and he brings him with no mouth, so Eros, Eros can't speak. Because Eros's er- gig is that he gets in he gets into your head. Yes, with his his voice can manipulate you. Right. So Thanos just erases his mouth. And it is kind of a creepy visual to see that over yes. and over again. Mm-hmm. But we we are hearing his thoughts when when he's kind of becomes the omniscient uh, chorus, I guess. Right. Yep. Yep. Anyway, uh, back to the <laughs> insanity that's going on. But we're we're kind of seeing the amassing of these two forces: Adam Warlock and Doctor Strange on one side, and Thanos, uh, you know, alone at the moment uh, on the other. Well, alone with Mephisto. Mm-hmm. And after Thanos has done all these romantic gestures, which by the way, everyone, Valentine's Day is coming up, so a apparently a rotting corpse that is balanced between life and death. Uh, I, I think the exact quote is a sculpture to the blasphemy of life and the glorious promise of death. There is, you go. Is what he gave death. Um, 
he, he realizes that um, Death had asked one thing of him. So he's doing all these things to try and impress her, and he forgot that she actually had specifically hinted at him. <laughs> no, honey. There's... So, sounds like a, a classic <laughs> romance. <Yes. laughs> he did the... the one thing I asked. <laughs> And the one thing that she wanted him to do was to end half of all life in the universe. Exactly she, half. Exactly half of all life, not just sentient life, not just life on Earth. Half of all life. Yep, thin the herd. <laughs> it's getting a little overpopulated. And Thanos, at the end of the first issue, does this by uh, flicking his fingers and half of people just cease existing. They just disappear. So there's did, you just say, did you say he flicks his fingers? I think he snaps his fingers. Okay, snaps his fingers. Okay. He snaps his fingers. Okay. <laughs> Maybe there was Did a little you just double check. <laughs> there may have been a flip mentioned. somewhere, but um, yeah. yeah. Snap. Snap sounds better. Well, we'll I know snap. you say aunt instead of aunt, so maybe I thought I thought maybe like um, flipping your fingers is what they say. You know, back well, where your flicking. where your people come from. <laughs> flicking his fingers is what I said, not flipping. Oh, flicking. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, this is, this is great audio. And half of all people uh, on Earth and everywhere else in the universe just just disappear. It's not like they drop dead; they just cease to exist. And and this includes, you know, a goodly number of the heroes on Earth. So all the super teams start to realize something bad is happening. More of that that bad juju, as you said, yes, is going on. Um, but the scale of everything that is going on is so far beyond what the heroes of Earth are capable of dealing with. <laughs> Um, and, and, and even though, I mean, this is called the protagonist, and I think we'd both agree that, that Thanos is an antagonist, he, he's the bad guy, but for this story, it's really his story. And even though we have, you know, Thor and Captain America and some appearances of the X-Men even, and other classic Marvel characters, they are not the protagonist of the story at all. Yeah, there's this, um, there's this great panel on, uh, in, in, uh, volume two of this where uh, Captain America is looking at this computer and he's um, making it's making a list of all of the superheroes who have disappeared. So uh, there I, I, see I don't I don't know here's the thing about this. I don't know if I should feel dumb that I don't know who all these people are. But seriously, Todd, um, don't worry about nerd shame. There never let a nerd shame you. Okay, the for not knowing something obscure. The superhero box uh, dagger Diamond Lil. Okay, Dagger is actually relevant to the story because her partner Cloak is one of the people that joins the team. Cloak very and cl- Dagger. How very cleverly uh, how they cute. are Cloak and Dagger. Yes. Okay, we've got Guardian. Uh, yeah. We've got, um, let's see, Makari. We've got mm-hmm. Marvel Boy and Marvel Girl. I know Marvel Girl, but not Marvel Boy. We've got Night Thrasher, uh, Power Man, Puck. Uh, Cersei, Sasquatch, Shaman, U.S. Agent, Vindicator, and Wind She. Windshear. Windshear. Oh, Windshear. <laughs> of course. Don't you know Windshear? I, th- I think Marvel's going to be doing a film on Windshear before so I, I, I pulled up the, the image so I could yeah. check. Unbelievable. Uh, and I will admit, I have never read a comic that I know of that featured box or Windshear, or Makari. I think those are the three where... I'm, oh, no, Makari, he's one of the... Uh, he's a version of Mercury. He's one of the Celestials, actually. Uh, uh, he's, he's disappeared in this one. <laughs> yes, he's, he's gone. Guy. I'm unfamiliar completely with Box or Windshear. Could not tell you a thing. Most of the others I could tell you something about. Not tons, but something. But Windshear... 
when she was not a breakout character. I'm just wondering who ever sits down with a pen and paper in front of them and says, I'm going to make a new comic. This guy is going to be the best ever. His name is Box. Well, <laughs> Todd, if, if we want to start talking about weird creations from the 90s, we're going to be here for a while. Okay, well, um, <laughs> well, uh, just like three pages later, we get the, guy, the, the giant floating head with the, eye in the eyeball on the side of the cheek. Yes, uh, and that is not Ego, the Living Planet. Uh, which this one? This one is it? Epoch. Maybe yes. There's a lot of weird celestial beings in this one as well. <laughs> it's, it's so weird. <laughs> That's what one thing I love. Like you just have so to go weird. in and just accept that anything is possible. That there are grand, powerful beings in the universe. That they're petty. That they don't know how to woo people. <laughs> that their courtship rituals are a little odd. Uh, but but that they. You know, when uh, Thanos, he, he has Nebula and uh, Eros with him, and when he's trying to uh, impress death, he does the, he, he tortures them in various ways, and it's, you know, he, he turns them into kind of cubist <laughs> paintings. Yeah. He unravels one of them <laughs> like she's made out of thread. Uh, you know, he has weird, grotesque tendrils with eyes and mouth sprout out of their bodies. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So Adam Warlock shows up. And uh, he seems to be a pretty powerful guy. He seems to kind of know what's going on. He starts bossing everybody around. The big bull is with him. And you say you don't know who that bull is. I don't know who the bull is with Doctor Strange. Uh, I think the bull is from Doctor Strange, not from Adam Warlock. It's a minotaur of some sort, I'm guessing. Yes. But he he just, like, starts sweeping up the glass, doesn't he? Yeah, he's a a good minotaur. He's he's nice. (laughs) Kind of reminds me of... This is totally off topic, but this one seems like it's gone off the rails anyway. So I'm just <laughs> it sort of reminds me in the scene of the scene of um, uh, Kung Fu Panda Two when he gets to the top of the stairs and he says, "I think I threw it back there." Do you have any evil janitors that could maybe go and clean it up? <laughs> like that's this Minotaur is who I will always now think of as like going to throw up, uh, going to clean up um, post throw up in uh, Kung Fu Panda Two. Anyway. All right. Uh, so I guess in what we see is again these escalations of Thanos's attempts to woo death. He's he tortures people in an attempt to show his creativity. He then in frustration he says like, "What does it take to please you?" And after he's already eliminated half the life on the universe, he unleashes a wave of destruction like an anger. It's kind of like he throws his fist down, and this wave just emanates from it and sweeps through the entire universe. And this is where we get more of the big crazy insane things. Knocks the Earth out of the orbit. <laughs> Yes. Uh, so, temper. You know, there's tidal waves, uh, and, and you know, you reach a point where I don't know if it's when half of all of life has winked out of existence, or where it's when Earth has uh, been knocked out of its orbit and California has fallen off the coastline, and you know, all these other things where you just know there's going to be some reset button. This is not going to be the new status quo right. uh, of, of Marvel comics. Um, it, but even though you know it's coming, it's kind of enjoyable to see this this crazy journey uh, on the path to that moment. I did, and I know that I'm, I'm kind of hard on this because it is totally, absolutely uh, banana balls, but it uh, it is really fun to read. Once you sort of get into it and you um, suspend, you don't even have to like suspend disbelief. You have to su- like suspend. Um, I don't know what I don't know what more than disbelief is, but it's like it's, <laughs> you have to go like you know three clicks past the willing suspension of disbelief. Uh, but it is actually really fun, and I, by the end, I was I was like I couldn't put it down. So, 
and uh, you know one, one of the other crazy things that happens is just for one issue there's this gathering of the gods of Norse mythology of Native American mythology of Asian mythology uh, of Mount Olympus they're all just hanging out uh, talking about oh this, this is getting pretty rough yeah Odin we, puts them all together right Yes, Odin gathers them all, uh, but then in the wave of destruction, Asgard gets cut off from the rest of the universe, and so they're just hanging out. <laughs> Man, wish we could have <laughs> helped. can't do anything. <laughs> wish we could have helped, but because we were all together, and something bad happened. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're out of it. Uh, so after all, you know, the terrible things have um, have happened, the, you know, the warlock gathers a bunch of heroes and says, we're going to have to take the fight to, to Thanos, and uh, it's people like Wolverine, Drax the Destroyer, Fire Lord... Nova, Samariner, Cloak, um, mostly went men. Not a whole lot of women got selected for this. For this She-Hulk. group, She Hulk is in there. You're right. She Hulk is in there, and they're preparing to go and take the fight to to Thanos. And in the same issue, there's kind of this great moment where Thanos, in frustration that death um, is not accepting all of his overtures, he changes the monument from a monument to her to a monument to himself. Says, fine, I'll show you. <laughs> and then he also says, you know what? I'm a god. I could make a woman who loves me. And so he forms from nothing this woman named Taraxia. Well, the other thing that's interesting is that theoretically, I mean, he is all powerful, right? He just he just snuffed out half of the life in the universe with the snap of his fingers. He could make death love him. Yes, that's one thing I was going to bring up. Like, why? And it's never addressed. It's never said you can't do that. Um, you know, I think that he. I think that he knows that uh, that would not be satisfying. Yes, and I think even when he makes this Taraxia, who is, you know, looks like a female version of his race, you know, purple skin, right. not as pruny and wrinkled. Um, but it, I don't think it's really that he's making this to be his new true love. He's trying to make death jealous. Is the whole purpose here? Yeah. Um, in, in just utter frustration. Yeah, you don't get the feeling that he he really loves her. He's still, he's just so fixated on death. Uh, but but and and for as um, petty as he is, he seems to have this kind of sense of honor. Like if a woman is going to love you, you can't force her to do that. Um, you have to. Uh, he, the Thanos is a really interesting character uh, because on the uh, on his face he seems so uh, kind of shallow, and it seems really clear who he is. Uh, but he has these weird kind of ticks in his personality that make him uh, really interesting, I think. Yes. And uh, so we have the heroes that are amassing this, this wave. And Silver Surfer and Adam Warlock give them a portal to go direct, take the fight directly to this giant monument that Thanos has. And as they're coming, Mephisto does his Mephisto thing, where he kind of knows that Thanos, what Thanos is doing is not good for the universe and not good for <laughs> his own uh, survival. <laughs> and so he kind of whispers to him, he's like, you know what would be really impressive to death? Uh, you know, defeating these heroes, they're, they're not gods. You, you know, they have nothing on you. That's not going to look very cool. But if they, you know, actually could beat you, that and then you won, wouldn't that look cooler? <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, and, and so he doesn't, you know, take off the glove or anything, but he says, I'm going to take away my ability to know what's about to happen. So I won't know exactly where they're all attacking from. I'll still be all-powerful myself in order to be able to repel <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <you> so <laughs> dumb. their fights, but I won't know exactly where they're coming from. I have and, the hardest time imagining that this becomes a film in this form. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I obviously, there are going to be some big changes because of the way that studios 
uh, own rights to certain characters that just can't show up in this yeah. thing. So I, I but, don't know that Mephisto can just show up, actually. He might be tied to... Was it Fox that had the rights to Ghost Rider? Nah, I don't know. Of that one. I don't know, but um, but my goodness, it it's just so odd, and it's hard for me to imagine the world falling in love with this story, but at the same time, I mean, that's like the, the big thing about Guardians of the Galaxy, which was the big, biggest film of this year, is, is that it's laying the groundwork for this story, so... And a lot of people were skeptical of Guardians of the Galaxy before that one was made into a film. They were saying, yeah. you know, those are kind of Marvel Marvel's weird side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the weird characters. So, but this guy's this guy's totally all powerful. And I'm, I mean, I'm looking at the last panel of this thing. You got Drax the Destroyer. You got Iron Man. You got Captain America, She Hulk, Hulk, Wolverine, Spider Man. You got uh, the Scarlet Doctor Witch. You got Doctor Doom, who's fighting with them. You got Namor. You got the fire guy. What's his name? Firestorm. Fire Lord. Fi- fire Lord. Yeah. Uh, the Vision. Nova. Thor. Cloak. Cyclops. Man. One of the X-Men made it in. Oh, I guess Wolverine. Two of the X-Men. Yeah. Man, that was... that was uh, And they're, and they're all going to come and attack this guy. And you as a reader know that this is just a totally lost cause. Because... I mean, even if they surprise him... The you know Wolverine can stab him, but it's not going to do any good because he's all powerful. Yeah, and um, Warlock, who is not involving himself in this fight, he says this is a move on the chessboard to distract Thanos. He says this this one's not going to work. Uh, right. But he doesn't tell that to them. But you you got to know the heroes are pretty aware of that they're going up against someone who who will mop the floor with them. But there are um, there are a couple of moments here. Speaking of these. Um, these other side characters, lesser characters like Wolverine. Yes. Captain America. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I really love Wolverine. uh, Wolverine's moment here. Like he gets, he gets kind of one shot at Thanos and he's one of the few that actually reaches all the way and gets to Thanos and he, and he stabs him with his claws and they stare each other down. And then you're like, way to go Wolverine. And then he gets pummeled. And, yeah, and oh no, he gets his adamantium skull and gets turned into jelly and he just sort of um, oozes to the ground. And uh, Captain America has a great moment. Yes, and that's I, the other one that I was going to mention. But I rem- go ahead. I remember this um, from a wizard magazine, which is a comic book magazine that existed through much of the 90s and into the 2000s. And I don't, I don't know what issue this was, and so I can't give a direct citation. But at some point they, had, they were ranking some of the greatest moments of comics in the 90s, I think is what it was. And they uh-huh. included this speech from Captain America to Thanos. Yeah, it's uh, this is this is one of my favorite moments from this whole story. Would so you like go to ahead do? and tell us? No, you go ahead and tell us what it's about. <laughs> all right, so basically, all the other heroes have fallen, and Warlock and Silver Surfer are watching from a distance as Captain America stands. He's you know he's the last one standing, and he's talking to Thanos and walking towards him, and he goes and stands face to face against him. And this is Captain America, who you know doesn't shoot energy beams doesn't have claws coming out of his hand he's standing there with his shield he's super uh, strong and he's super fast and he heals well but that's like pretty much it yeah yeah so he, and he's not you know like thor or hulk level strong he's you know just stronger than a normal yeah. person and Captain america goes and just walks up to him face to face and just looks him in the eye and says as long as one man stands against you thanos you'll never be able to claim victory and Thanos says, noble sentiments from one who is about to die. And Captain America just says, I've lived my life by those sentiments and they're well worth dying for. And then he dies. <laughs> you know, uh, 
I, I mean, there's this moment where uh, when Thanos brings his hand back to try and strike him, Warlock yells now, and he sends Silver Surfer in to try and race and grab the gauntlet while Thanos is distracted, swinging this punch. And we get a, a really pretty good sequence of panels uh, yeah, showing time slow down and seeing this this moment where Silver Surfer's racing in, the fist is coming in at Captain America, you see Captain America's eye watching it, you see Warlock watching this whole thing, and then Silver Surfer misses, and Thanos is briefly distracted, and Captain America gets one punch in, and then he just it's smacks... It's fantastic! He smacks... Thanos smacks Captain America to the ground and says, what have I been doing? Like, why did I allow myself... must have been out of my mind. <laughs> why did I allow myself not to know Silver Surfer was going to come sweeping in, and he turns back on his omni- omniscience? But man, so. that, one, that one punch from Captain America is just golden. Yeah. It's really satisfying, especially, I think, considering what has been going on to everyone else all throughout. Like, you said Wolverine, like, turns to jelly, but, like, Iron Man's head got torn off. And, yeah, he puts Cyclops' head into a box where his optic blast can go out of, and I think he suffocated within it. Uh, yeah, so, so it's not just that these characters were dying by Thanos. They were, Thanos was using his creativity since he had godlike, yeah. godlike powers in order to to find ways to destroy each of them. We'll have I, I I'm sure that we'll have ample opportunity to talk about Captain America in general. Um, but I'm just gonna like state for the record that I think Captain America is pretty awesome, and uh, and. I think part of the reason why, and I can't, is there a, is this a line from a, one of the films when they talk about that um, his is the voice that commands the gods? It's not from the films. I'm- but, I mean, that's, a, it's, uh, and maybe I just, like, heard it on a podcast or something, but. Um, oh, like, it, that Captain America's in charge of Thor, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, he's just, he's just kind of a guy, you know? I mean, he's, that first, the first Captain America movie is so good. Um, in um, showing his his origin story, it's kind of this scrawny kid with a big big heart and a brain uh, who suddenly gets this great uh, strong body. But like we were saying before, he doesn't have um, incredible superpowers. Uh, but he is the leader. Wherever he is, he's the leader. And and his um, you know his is, his is the voice that commands the gods. And uh, he or- or orchestrates this thing, and he's courageous, and it's just a great kind of tribute. This little scene with um, him and Thanos, I, I really, really like it. Yeah, they're, I, they're, I don't really go in for. I mean, we'll talk about Superman, and Superman's great, and maybe I'll have a change of heart when we uh, when I actually read a Superman comic. <laughs> 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 but uh, but like all powerful beings, um, bore me sometimes. Well, then you're going to love this next issue, Todd, of the story. Because... Yes. <laughs> Uh, after the superheroes die, uh, Thanos turns around and there's this collection of all of Marvel's kind of cosmic gods uh, there looking down at him, uh, prepared to take battle. So, so beings like Galactus, who people who are familiar with comics will be familiar with him. He, he goes around eating planets. But, you know, then really weird ones, Celestials. Uh, I should find a list of all of them. You've got yeah. Chaos and yeah, Order. They're, they're, You've got Kronos. There was the two nameless celestials. You've got love and hate. The stranger. Well, who is the stranger? He's the guy that's standing there with the red. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, window. I know. I'm looking at the thing. He's got the big <laughs> shoulder pads. Yeah, and the... crazy shoulder pads. He is the, the. I think he had two appearances in early X Men. He had one appearance in an early X Men run where he just shows up on Earth and kind of wanders around, and then uh, takes Magneto for no real reason. <laughs> and that's his. That's his gig. And then he, uh, 
I think he was also involved. And people sometimes wonder, like, well, how if Magneto, you know, was alive in the uh, in in World War Two and the you know the the during the Holocaust, how how is he so fit? He de-aged Magneto to a baby, <laughs> and then he got re-aged at a certain point to a young man. So he can be, you know, sliding scale of however old the stranger old he does is. this. The stranger did that to him. Yeah. Okay. So you got the stranger. You got Kronos, who controls time. Is Kronos also a it, Titan? Like Eros? Uh, and, in, uh, in this case, Thanos? these are different sorts of Titans. Thanos and Eros are from the planet, or the moon Titan in okay. our solar system. Okay. That or- and so it's around Jupiter. That's, that's part of their oh my gosh, story. So and you've got it's the- not the same as like the Greek Titans. Okay, and you've got the Watcher, who is... Doesn't want to get involved. Pretty, self- get involved. pretty self-destructive name there. Uh, but he's got a big head. <laughs> Very big. It is voluminous. And you have Eternity. Right? Right. Eternity right. is the one who is the actual universe itself. Again, big crazy ideas. And he, his form just has stars and things going. He's kind of like, like a mostly humanoid form, but a uh, really cool effect of stars and everything going on. I thought that was Kronos. No, Kronos is... Which one's Kronos? I'm looking Wait. at the... I'm looking at the... Page the, two. The astral conflagration of, page? Yeah. So I've got the stranger, left to right. Stranger, Kronos... The two, the, uh, the two weird, weird guys. Then you got uh, love and hate. You got Galactus, and, and up, the up above them you've got uh, order and chaos. And in the very back there, you've got the floating head with the eye sticking out of it, which is uh, epoch, e- epic, epoch, epic or epoch. One of those two. Depends I'm on go how, with epic. how snooty your professor is, whether it is epoch or epic. <laughs> How snooty, how snooty are you, Professor Jurowski? I'll go with Epic. Okay, thank you. <laughs> we, we should mention, this was set up in a previous issue. They didn't just show up now. Like, Adam Warlock went and recruited them just like he did the heroes. Right, right, right. right. And uh, so then we just had one a whole issue of the Marvel superheroes fighting Thanos, and now we get an issue <laughs> of the gods fighting him, and they also lose. <laughs> I love how the explosions just get, like, bigger and bigger. And, you have yeah. these full-page... These full spreads of just giant explosions but and they but you can tell and this is actually pretty good art that you can tell the intensity of these things by use of color and line um, and there's something in there that's called kirby crackle uh the black dots that kind of you know are different sizes and shapes at the edge of all the explosions right. jack kirby was a comic artist who would add those all the time to 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 his art and they're they're now just called kirby crackle huh Um, i've never heard it called kirby crackle i've just heard it called kirby dots yeah um i think i was gonna say because you you're complaining that this is the issue where the artists change from george perez to ron lim i love george perez art i'm not as big a fan of ron lim but i think he does a really good job in these ones i i do think he he was i I think in some ways he's trying to match up with george perez's style yeah i think so too yeah but it's it's not a jarring Switch, which sometimes when artists change up in the middle of a story, it can be quite jarring, just because there's so many different styles. And I think the different styles can be great, but when you're reading one one grand storyline, you kind of like to have the consistency of a single artist. And in the 90s, they weren't always very good at keeping that consistency. If it was going to ship late, they would often switch out artists. And they did switch out for this one. I mean, that's uh, George Perez was supposed to do all six issues. Right. Ron, Ron Lim came in for the last two, but I think he does a good job of being himself, but also not being too discordant from what we saw in the first four issues. Can I can I throw in my favorite moment from this issue? I think it's my favorite moment. It's the first one I stopped and I said, "Oh yeah, the two celestials line up a series of planets and like rapid fire 
th- throw them at yeah. Thanos. <laughs> yes. They just line up a whole bunch of plants, and it says somewhere, it's like, never mind that some of them are inhabited by sentient beings. Right. Yeah, this, uh... <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I can't say that there was any mind-altering drugs that were taken to conceive of this story. <laughs> but it's pretty out there. <laughs> I don't want yeah. to besmirch the reputation. Uh, this does remind me, in some ways, uh, there's a writer named Grant Morrison who does sometimes grand cosmic things, and sometimes they're wonderful. They're some of my favorite stories, but sometimes it's kind of like an editor really needed to write him in because the out- ideas are just getting becoming incomprehensible. <laughs> and Grant Morrison is, is fairly open about using whatever means are necessary to get his mind into a state where he can think of weird things. Uh... <laughs> And, and and some of this reminded delicately put <laughs> some of this reminded me of of some of Grant Morrison's uh, crazier ideas. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So uh, let's get back to the story. Yeah. So the, I mean, the main thing is we we get splash page after splash page of Thanos being attacked and repelling, and then he 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 attacks back and he he wins. He's able to uh, freeze all of these celestial beings, and, and then as kind of a, a you know he says the, you know this is enough. I, I defeated Eternity, who was the entire universe. I'm going to take his spot. And he uses Infinity Gems to like cast himself into this grand cosmic being that is. he leaves his body and he becomes a personification of the universe itself. I love uh, that, I love that uh, right before that happens, um, death saves Mephisto. He's, and, and Thanos is just absolutely like going crazy now. Like, what do I have to do? <laughs> <laughs> to, to please you. To please you. And it's kind of like saying, fine, if I can't have you, I'm just going to be everything. I am going to be right. the universe. And I, you know, you'll be encompassed within me uh, as part of me. But because he left his body, his body is sitting there with the Infinity <laughs> Gauntlet, <laughs> just just hanging out. <laughs> and uh, it's actually the corpse-like nebula, now that he's not devoting enough thought to preventing her from moving, she's able to reach out and grab the gauntlet and return herself to a fully healthy form. And she now has the powers of a god, which it turns out may be worse for the universe, even. I mean, I don't know if you want to say worse. It's also bad for the universe. It's definitely different. Things were not going well before. Um, But she has this moment after she gets the power where she's like, you know what? Grandpa, Thanos, everything you've done has been horrible. I'm going to undo. I want everything back the way it was 24 hours ago. Um. Which, you know, this is part of the reset button that we said we knew had to be coming. All, right. You know, all the life is returned to the universe. All the heroes are back alive. Uh, and um, But, of course, there are other repercussions for her that she didn't really think through in this. <laughs> because, also, all the celestial beings are alive. So, in, in the final issue, we kind of get a quicker version of what we saw before. Of now everyone fighting Nebula. Uh, uh-huh. But she's not as practiced in the powers. Thanos kind of built up to wiping out all the gods. And, um, cause he had to get the, he had to get the stones one by one, right? Yes. Yes. And in the course of this fight, uh, which again involves many of the celestial, same celestial beings and, and the heroes that are there, the, the gauntlet gets knocked off of Nebula's hand. <laughs> There's this scene of everyone rushing for it. Like, oh, it's mine. It's mine. <laughs> Finders keepers. <laughs> and it is Adam Warlock, who is the, definitely the savior figure in this, in this storyline. Um, and there are certainly religious overtones that come in with a character named Adam. Uh, but he's the one who gets his hand, his hands onto it, and he says, this conflict's over. And he just kind of resets everything. Um, won't let Thanos have the gauntlet, uh, and, and allows all the cosmic beings back into their, their station because the universe is out of balance without them attending to mm-hmm. their various roles, and returns all the life 
back to it, uh, back to where it was. That's it. And, and then, uh, and then we get this ending, which I, I really like this ending. And I think it's a wonderful parallel to that opening shot of the series. I would dare say a planned parallel, uh, uh, Thanos looking over this barren rock, you know, with just the word God etched into the stone and just talking about how powerful he is and how he can do whatever he wishes. And now we get an epilogue where he's, he's still alive, but he's definitely of a different mindset now. Yeah, he's just a, he's uh so they're, they're on this planet. Do we know where they are? I don't think we do at this point. Uh, I, you I'm get, sure we'll find uh, out. Warlock and Gamora and Pip. And they go to see Thanos, and they find his uh, his suit is um, hung up like a scarecrow, and it's just like a like an agrarian planet. There's no there isn't really much in the way of um, buildings. There's no urban they, centers going. They find on. yeah, they find one house, and then here's this Thanos. And this version of Thanos, I think, actually looks really cool. Where he's not wearing the uh, the kind of blue and gold helmet and, and shoulder pads. Yeah. He's still purple and his face still looks like a prune. But, uh, but you know, he's purple's wearing a green, fine. green robe, but a simple tunic, not a... Yeah, like a, like a tunic, yeah. He's got a tunic and like some simple, you know, leather boots. And they have this, um, this little conversation, Adam Warlock and Thanos. And... Uh, Thanos tells him, a quiet life will allow me to digest and incorporate the lessons the past has forced upon me. And uh, Warlock says, then I wish the best of, best of luck. Leave him alone. <laughs> leave, leave him be. What? Um, and they say, are, are you nuts? Yeah. Pippa Gamora are a little shocked by this, and Adam Warlock says, it's fine. <laughs> We're going to. And then in the end, we get this uh, power, such an ephemeral quality, commodity, hard to gain, easy to lose. And I once I uh, thought I understood it. What vanity! And he, Adam Warlock. I was say, he, yeah. he actually says he he pities Adam Warlock. They've they've definitely reversed uh, Adam Warlock when he was living in the Soul Gem. He just kind of wanted to hang out in peace and tranquility and contemplate life and the universe and everything else uh, while hanging out in the Soul, mm-hmm. soul Gem. He says Adam Warlock, a being who wished nothing more than to spend the rest of his days within the peaceful environment of the Soul Gem, he now possesses the infinite power and all the responsibility that goes along with it. While I, whose entire life was dedicated to the pursuit of power, now find myself scraping out a living from the soil. Irony worthy of the drama, yet strangely enough, though I envy not Adam Warlock, uh, strangely, uh, sorry, let me restate that. Yet strangely enough, though, I envy not Adam Warlock. Somehow I feel that in the long run, Thanos of Titan came out ahead in this particular deal. And that's the end. It's just him sitting peacefully on his porch, looking out over over his fields. <laughs> well, and, um, and throughout, there's a couple times where Adam Warlock says the only way Thanos loses is if he sets himself up to lose. You know, somehow Thanos knows what he actually wants is not necessarily the power. And this is sort of the evidence of, of that outcome. Yeah, he says, uh, you know, you had the, what in the Marvel films is called the Tesseract, but in Marvel Comics it was called the Cosmic Cube for a long time. He says you, you had that, and you had all the power that comes with the Cosmic Cube, and you let Captain America, you know, of all the heroes, you know, one that, again, just is kind of sort of superpowered in that he's stronger and faster, but, you know, doesn't have energy powers or anything like that. Captain America took it from you, so you had to let him, on some level, take that from you, or it wouldn't have happened. And you had the Infinity Gauntlet, and if you had really planned and wanted this power, you would have held on to it. 
Yeah. And in the end, we see, you know, he's he's content. Uh, he was not content when he had all the power in the universe. He, he was striving all the time, uh, be it to, to impress death, to woo her, uh, or to show off his power in various ways. Uh, and once it was stripped of him, he, he seems to have settled down. Now, this being comics, of course, he's a character that's still around and has reverted to form several times. He's been a bit all over the map. <laughs> but at least for this story, we see him seemingly peaceful at the end. Yeah. So, what do you make of this? Um, so, through ninety-five percent of the story, he's fixated on death and having her love and uh, her approval. In the end, he just lets it go, right? Yeah. I, I we I mean we read through that monologue. It's his obsession is gone. But I wonder if part of his his peace and contentment is saying he's going to learn. He's going to ponder the lessons that he's learned. Yeah. Um, I think one of those lessons may be that, you know, he, he's death is going to come for everyone. He's going to see death again. Yeah. Uh, nice. I like that. It, it is such a different Thanos in those last about three pages of the, of the comic. Uh, yeah, but I really like that. I mean, I, was, I thought it was a very satisfying and ending. It is such a contrast to all the bombast of the, the previous you know, three issues when the fight is really kicking. I mean, I'm saying that those yeah. issues had bombast after we've already seen a half of all life be winked out of existence. And, uh, you know, the wave of destruction that set earth out of its axis, you know, out of its orbit and, you know, entering an ice age, but the bombast really came, you know, when, when Thanos was having those gods and it was just so big and loud and crazy. Uh, you know, like, like, uh, our producer Andrew was saying, you know, the, the planets being used like pinballs and thrown against him and all, you know, all these other things. Uh, but it ends quietly on this, this, farm planet that we don't even know where it is. But I think, I think, um, the only way that this works is a story is, is because of Thanos' complexity as a character. Um, cause on the face of it, it just seems so dumb. Like you have ultimate power and you can do anything you want. And so how is it possible that this guy loses? And the only reason that that's possible is because he's, He's complicated. And uh, deep down in his heart, I mean, sure, he's got Mephisto whispering in his ear, but Mephisto only tells him what he wants to hear, basically. Um, I mean, these are reflections of, I think, stuff that's going on inside of Thanos anyway. Um, and and so, yeah, I mean, in the end, it just is... Uh, it's surprised. It surprised me that the story could be as satisfying as it was, given the parameters of ultimate power. Yes, and I, because like I said in the beginning, generally speaking, that's like pretty boring to me. But but in the hands of the right characters, um, it makes for a really good somehow story. it feels right that Thanos ends that way. It doesn't feel like a cop out or like they've changed his nature that he ends up sitting and looking at a field and and more content than when he had all power. Because I mean, clearly he was not content or happy when he had all the power of the universe, you know, right. he was striving for something he was never going to obtain. Uh, and I, I think, you know, one of those lessons like, uh, you know, death is going to come for everyone, but also he, he was never going to get that thing that he wanted. Um, and, and so kind of stopping his quest, which had defined his life allowed him to literally relax, you know, to, to, uh, contemplate some other things. It was exactly, we talked, um, today in one of my classes about, uh, the balance between um, chasing the impossible and being content with what you right. have. Right, it's, it's a fine line of of plateauing in your life uh, or never being happy. <laughs> yeah, and and how 
uh, at different times and in different contexts, uh, one or the other of those would be more laudable or more appropriate. And I mean, we're always at war in society in general, whatever that means. Uh, we seem to be an awful, we seem to um, praise heroes who are willing to uh, face the impossible, like Captain America facing Thanos, right? This is impossible, but I'm still going to do it because it's the right thing, and like I'm just going to spit in the eye of the impossible. Uh, and we really like that. Um, I think that it's sometimes harder for us to praise just sort of being content with uh, what you have, even if it's not ultimate power. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think we and, so often see that being praised, but we do see the negative of obsession at times. You know, those who are always striving for something and it destroys their lives. You know, be it the Count of Monte Cristo or, or you know, any number of examples of people who who their obsession is, is a negative. But you know, we also, like you're saying, we see the positive form of that of, of praising those people who won't stop until they get to the top of you know their profession or or whatever it may be. Well, it's, it's praiseworthy when it works yes. out. <laughs> yes, right? it's condemnatory when it makes everyone around you sad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, so, and, and, yeah, and guess it's what? Just, uh, it's a... Real life is not as, as neat and tidy as a story. Both things are going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's I, I, one of the things that I like about the story is that um, it does what a lot of great literature does for me, uh, which is forces me to just sit down and kind of think about you know, where am I on that on that scale? Am I uh, when I when somebody tells me oh, you shouldn't do that, it's impossible, or I think I probably shouldn't do that, it's impossible, um, and I'm tempted to chase after it anyway. Like, ooh, if you tell me it's impossible, then I'm going to go ahead and do it. Uh, what price am I paying? And what for price that? are others paying if you do that? Or what price are others paying? And is it worth it? And sometimes the answer is yes. Like, absolutely yes. You have to go do this thing because it's just the right thing to do. And sometimes the answer is no. You just need to be content with what you've got. And uh, and I think that wisdom is, real wisdom is knowing how to parse that out. Which is, I mean, and that's what Thanos is sitting on his porch thinking about, I think. Yeah, and I think, like you're saying, that's one of those questions that, there is no neat and tidy answer to. There's always going to be variables of situation, of individuals, of you know what it is that you're chasing after. Is it actually something that's worthy of being chased after? Uh, is it you know even if it's not obtainable, maybe it's still worth worth pursuing um, because. Yeah. But I, I think there's you know it's such a fine line of of being discontent because you don't have that thing uh, versus forcing discontentment because you're chasing it and you don't have it yet uh, versus settling and, and uh, like I said, plateauing in your life because you just become too content with where you're at. <laughs> and I think we're all struggling, you know, in one form or other, whether how much, no matter how much introspection we give on it, uh, that, you know, that's something that we're all working out in our own lives. And that's uh-huh. what you get when you look at a big wrinkly, purple man sitting on his porch on an alien <laughs> agrarian planet. Are, are either of you kind of perplexed at how relatable Thanos ends up being? Like he's sort of the most relatable <laughs> character in the entire story. And for me, part of that's, you know, like his outrage at not being able to impress death. He's like, what do I have to do? But you know, all throughout the story, I kind of get this feeling. It's like Thanos is really my perspective character. There's no one else throughout it, and like, yeah, that's that's me in this moment. Well, there, it's it's not epic. The floating planet with the eyeball <laughs> sticking out of the side of its head. You don't relate to that character. Not in this story, at least. Yeah. Well, for the 
No, I totally agree. I think that's a really, really good well, point. Well, for the story, he is the protagonist. Um, you know, he's a, he's a bad guy, but this story is, even though we can love that moment with Captain America, it's a moment. It, you know, we, we don't follow him. And Captain America doesn't have a character arc. You know? Can we just say, he is a bad guy, but he is not bad guy? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, so many of the other characters that we see in this are pawns. You know, be it, the only two characters who are really pulling strings are Adam Warlock and and Thanos and Adam Warlock. There's not a, he's, he's interesting, but you don't find out too much about him. He's still a mystery at the end of this. Yeah. And, uh, he gets his own series. Adam Warlock and infinity watch, I believe is what it's called. And there is also an infinity war that happens after infinity crusade. And maybe even one or two more in the last few years since Marvel has been playing more with their, their galactic line. Okay, I'm just gonna um, I'm gonna take a little break from Infinity <laughs> stuff for a while. I feel like this was a great story, but I need a little break. Yes, <laughs> I understand. Um, anything else? Uh, any other characters or moments that stood out to you? I think we pretty much covered it. Oh, I, I didn't um, want to say. I thought Death. I thought Death herself was actually a really, really interesting character. She's completely silent. She never says anything. Um, as far as I know, very few actions. I don't remember uh, any. Like you said she saved Mephisto, but yeah, but somehow she seems like very agentive, even in her, um, e- even in her silence and her lack of action. She, uh, I mean, you said um, Thanos and and Warlock are the ones pulling the strings, but in some ways, she's pulling a lot of strings. I mean, she has a lot of power and agency in this story. Um, and I think she's, I just think she's a really, really interesting character. Yes, I guess Mephisto also is one who's kind of doing some, some things. <laughs> right. um, but the other moment I was going to say is I, I did like there's this little conversation when the heroes are all gathering and they're coming up with their strategies and Wolverine goes out to the roof to smoke and he sees Hulk just sitting there. And they just, <laughs> they have a, a little conversation. Uh, Wolverine's first appearance was fighting the Hulk in an issue of the Incredible Hulk. So they do have this history in the Marvel comics. Uh, but they, they kind of say, yeah, you know, the, what they're talking about that's not for us and the whole just says yeah we're both monsters <laughs> and, and they just kind of bond for a moment uh over being kind of the outcast of the superhero community hulk was hulk's another character that we just need to do uh there's somebody i mean this is a version a, of hulk when he's when as he's an episode but yeah this is a very interesting version of hulk he's he's very articulate yes, <laughs> very articulate the, he doesn't just say hulk yeah. smash uh there's been so many different versions of, of hulk all right. Well, anything else that you wanted to cover? No, I think we I think we've done this one All pretty right. well. Um, uh, that wraps up this episode. Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can subscribe to the protagonist in iTunes, and we would encourage you to leave a review for us, preferably five stars. People, you can find complete show notes for this episode and a list of all of our shows at protagonistpodcast.com. If you have suggestions of things you would like to hear us talk about or comments about the podcast, you can send us an email at feedback at protagonistpodcast.com, or you can find us on Twitter at at protagonist. Pod. You can also find each of us on Twitter. Uh, there's at Todd Mack and at Jay Dorowski, and our producer Andrew is at Andrew Dorowski. And thank you, Andrew, for providing some more comments uh, this episode as you are well versed in the Marvel Galactic Universe. Also, check out our Facebook group called Protagonist Podcast Group. If we love any comments and corrections or suggestions for characters we can discuss, thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character and a great story. So long.
I haven't heard any. I haven't heard anything. Any screaming. 